We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. Back on the show, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, happy to have you back, especially when it's a Nets win over the Golden State Warriors, 134-117. How are we feeling? Bruce Brown is the best center in the NBA. I mean, he put up some good minutes tonight. You know, Bruce Brown was immense. There was a lot of different things. We'll talk about his game. But as always, you can find us on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Like I mentioned, Jack, dominant performance, and that's won 134-117. And pretty much after the second quarter, they never really looked back, and they controlled this game. Yeah, the, the the momentum that they brought, Nick, you could just sort of feel things clicking. There was a, a really good defensive tone to, to start the game. You know, they were really honed in on, on Steph. Despite the fact that he had 10 points in the first quarter, I thought the Nets did a good yeah. job of, of defending him. He really earned them. Him. Yeah, absolutely. Blitzing him. And look, he's a superstar. He's in the MVP conversation for a reason. The reason uh, why the Golden State Warriors have been so great of late is because of, of Steph's just brilliance overall. But I thought that the the looks that they gave, the communication was really good. You know, there was even a moment tonight, this is by uh, Lucas Kaplan of Nets Republic, that we heard Joe Harris telling uh, Harden to effing box. So I just <laughs> I just think that the communication and confidence and, and cohesion of this team is continuing to grow despite only getting six and a half games together with that big three. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I feel like they didn't necessarily play like their best game or their hardest game, but they just made a lot of smart plays and less of those kind of dumb things that we've seen across the season. You know, be it the turnovers in the backcourt, be it a ton of miscommunications defensively, especially on the stars, like you mentioned, on Steph Curry, a lot of great switches, put a lot of pressure on the rest of the Golden State Warriors to make shots, and they really couldn't. You know, some of that's Golden State having a bad shooting game, only 26% from three. 
But the guys who shot and missed are guys that typically miss. Other than Steph Curry being two of nine, and some credit goes to the Nets defense, a lot of the other guys typically have bad nights. Yeah, definitely. And, and when Steph actually drove the ball and he got to his floater game, got to his layup package, you know, I think he only like missed one shot, if that, um, when he was shooting from two point range. So, look, I, I think the Nets just did a good job of making things tough for him and Golden State. The, it seems to me that the game plan was really sound, and I've said that about Steve Nash in the past in terms of like, okay. The, the you know inserting Bruce Brown into the starting lineup you know I think a lot of people were thinking Jeff Green would be the automatic starter there but I think that playing Bruce Brown as a starter and, and just playing you know hyper small ball obviously uh, the Golden State Warriors are forced to do that as well in yeah. the absence of their centers you know they've got no bigs on the roster Draymond Green you know is Draymond Green even taller than Joe Harris I, I don't even know I feel like but Eric he, Pascal is probably their biggest player right now right yeah no and, and look Eric Pascal wasn't too bad but I just thought that this game really suited the Brooklyn Nets and you know if you want to go small ball it's like going small ball against the, the Golden State Warriors of old of old um, you're gonna have to do it and go and Kevin Durant is is playing good good defense he's really improving he's passing the ball like a madman I just think that the Nets now have the new death lineup the scary hours lineup if you want to call it I think that out fight the starting five with Jeff Green tonight uh, are six really good, really capable players, and I think the only question about it going forward is when they have to face uh, you know the the Milwaukee Bucks and or the Philadelphia 76ers in yep. the playoffs. But the small ball it maybe it forces other teams to adjust, but I just think that it's a, a really great weapon to have, Nick. Yeah, and just to go back to the game plan real quick, uh, Jack, Steph Curry, you mentioned he hit a lot of his two-point shots. It's because the Nets are really pressing him off that three-point line. Like, they had a strategy, which I wish a lot of teams have had in the past, where it's like, okay, Steph can get his twos because guess what? They're worth less than three. And, like, the way this guy hits threes, like, you just don't want him to get hot. But like you mentioned, you know, I thought the game plan was great. It helps that this is a good matchup for the Nets. Like you mentioned, they don't have any healthy bigs right now. Kevon Looney hurt, James Wiseman hurt, Marquise Chris hurt. So the biggest guy being Draymond Green, you know, KD looks like a legit center out there against a team like this. But like you said, you know, they put, forced the ball out of Steph Curry's hands, made other guys beat them and played sound defensively. And I think also in the rebounding department, the fact that they don't have a good rebounder really helped the Nets. And you mentioned Bruce Brown being the starting lineup. I felt like he did a really good job setting the tone, especially on Steph, picking up him full court most of this game. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins did that similarly to, to James Harden, and I thought that was a nice ploy as the Nets were sort of finding their groove and, yeah. and their offensive you know, chemistry in the first sort of half. But yeah, Bruce Brown, I think, is just... Uh, and look, I, I'm going to give credit as well to TLC tonight. I thought yeah. that when he, when Bruce Brown was out of the game, TLC was the quote-unquote defensive stopper, sort of brought back that role that he brought from Trey Young uh, in certain respects. I thought that his defense tonight, I think that you know, playing that sort of role player, you know, we expect him to, to have a semblance of consistency that's what we want out of him. That's what we want out of your role players. And I thought that in the minutes that he was out there against Stephen Curry and against those starters, uh, I thought that he played some, he provided some value. Yeah, he didn't make any of those terrible errors. You know what I mean? Like those plays that really stick up that are negative. And I thought he ran really well in transition. Like he really pushed, helped push the ball at different points. He finished layups, Nick. He made yeah, a dunk. Even, he had a dunk. And I mean, it kind of made you upset thinking he could have done that against the Wizards a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, credit to him, like you said, Jack, some nice minutes out there. But I want to go back to Bruce Brown. You know, really nice game. 18 points, 8 of 12, 7 rebounds. Just did a good job on Steph Curry. Four offensive boards, Nick. He only had yeah. three defensive boards and four offensive boards. I mean, he was fighting in there. I mean, there's a couple times where he probably could have got a loose ball foul that he didn't get. And I think, you know, we saw a lot of the scoring.
scoring of him playing off the superstars. His cutting is immense. And it's not just the cutting. It's the intelligence of understanding, oh, Steph Curry wants to take a step towards uh, Kevin Durant. I'm going to float to this spot right here where my teammate can actually hit me for the pass and where a spot I feel comfortable making the shot. A lot of credit. He's a really, really good cutter, but just not for the fact of cutting, but all of the other intangible parts of it. Yeah, definitely, because, you know, around the rim, you know, he's he's an unstoppable force. You know, Draymond Green couldn't even guard him yeah. down there. And, yeah, I think it was the angles that he was cutting to towards yep. Nick. You know, whether it was, you know, screening off of James Harden and, and getting him the, the switch or, yep. you know, slipping the screen uh, every now and then, cutting from the, the, the perimeter and the baseline. Uh, he's just a, a really, really smart, really clever player. And this was one of the best games that he has had as a Brooklyn net. And, yeah, only 22 minutes of action as well, 8 or 12 from the field. You know, he was leading the team in scoring uh, at yeah. a point in time after the first quarter. And, you know, he's, uh, I, I think the stat that I got from Chris Mulholland was, you know, the Nets are 11 and 3 when Bruce Brown is in double digits, you know, make it 12 and 3 after tonight. Yeah. No, really, really good game. And I think also, like you mentioned, Jack, he understands the angles and he's comfortable putting the ball on the ground for one dribble just to kind of get that little floater off. He doesn't need it necessarily to be that perfect layup. So, He's just understanding his role in this team and how to play off superstars. And that's one of the most important things for a role player on a team like this. What was your reaction, Nick? I, I sort of alluded to it earlier that you know it was, it was a surprise to see him in the starting five and you know at the five. It's funny looking on uh, ESPN.com. He is listed as a shooting guard, but he's starting at the center position. Were you surprised to see him there over Jeff Green? Maybe a touch, but given the matchup and Golden State's injuries, like you, you and I were kind of talking to the DMs, it was like, okay, this makes a lot of st- sense, and you have the opportunity to get your best perimeter defender in the game against a Stephen Curry. Okay, like let's do this here. And worst case scenario, Jeff Green's an early sub. You know what I mean? So I liked it from uh, Steve Nash. I thought it was the right move. Yeah, I thought it was. I've said a lot of times, you know, for, for coaching and for whatever role, you know, you got to be proactive. And I yep. thought this was a proactive move by being like, all right, you know, so, um, Bruce Brown is, you know, he, he's given James Harden fits in the past and he gave Stephen Curry some fits tonight, even though, you know, he still had a decent enough night. Stephen Curry, he's a goddamn superstar. But yeah, Bruce Brown, you know, I've got that uh, muscle meme saved <laughs> of him and, you know, the dude dunking and walking through the door. And I'm going to use it pretty much every single game that Bruce Brown plays 20 minutes or more because he's just a monster, a, a goddamn monster. And, you know, uh, in this house and on the Brooklyn Buzz and all Nets fans, we stand for Bruce Brown. Yeah, I mean, he's really kind of like that video because he just uses his shoulders to create space and get his shot off. But Jack, who do you want to talk about next? You know, we had a lot of good games from a lot of players tonight. Look, I think that it was it was intriguing, Nick, because there were waves of dominance from the three, from the yep. Scary Hours Big Three, or the Notorious B.I. Three um, is the new nickname going around that I'm a big fan of, replaced the G with the number three. I thought Kevin Durant early looked rusty, and it reminded me of his previous comeback from the health and safety protocol, where that rust was there, because, you know, he's a guy that's coming off the Achilles injury, we know that, and still finding his bearings, and, you know, you need a, a solid 15-game stretch of, to be going, okay, I've got my I've got my flow here, I've got my reps, I know where the shot is, I know if it's short or short, I know where I can hit it. But then, like, he started poorly, and he still finishes nigh on 50% from the field, 20 points, six times, five boards, two blocks, um, and three or four from the line. I just thought that he, he still finds a way to be just utterly dominant. 
Yeah, and like you said, Jack, he looked a little rusty. I felt like maybe he was trying to force it against his former team a couple times, especially because they were sending so many doubles to him. I was just like, oh, let Kyrie and Harden do their thing because they're not getting as much attention. And we saw Kyrie take advantage of that later in the game. But like you said, second half, he was great. You know, felt like he barely missed any shots. Defensively, he had a huge impact in this game. feel like he frustrated Stephen Curry a couple times out there. I thought his weak side help at a different points in this game was really good. And there was a couple plays, too, where he was rusty, and I thought some of that was defensively and then missing some of the open threes that he typically hits. But a baseline of 20 points, two blocks, six assists, five rebounds, 42% from the field. Like, I'll take that all the time. Like, that's a bad game for Kevin Durant. And the Nets just won almost by 20. Yeah, all of the the Nets that starters plus Jeff Green were in double digits, 14 points or more. You know, Joe, Joe Harris had 15 himself and we alluded to Bruce Brown. But Nick, I'm going to be honest. I thought James Harden was the best Brooklyn Nets performer yeah. tonight. I thought he, like you kind of mentioned, there was waves of Kevin Durant and waves of Kyrie Irving. It kind of felt like you felt James Harden throughout the game. And he really picked his moments. And I think the passing is really what popped. 16 assists. Like, that's that's a big number right there. And a couple guys were missing shots early because I think the Nets started like 2 of 8 from 3. And a couple of those were wide open threes. And James Harden had the 19 points. And it feels like those step backs are like placed in where they're just like a dagger for the other team. It's like, oh, yeah, they, casually James Harden step back 3. Now we're up 20. We spoke about in the early iterations of James Harden's uh, arrival to Brooklyn. It's just like, look, he's kind of feeling he's like two or six from three here. You know, he's he's one of three there. But now that three ball is full and the step back is looking nice. Five of eight from the perimeter tonight. As you mentioned, Nick, the 16 assists. Also had eight boards, three yep. steals, one block. I thought his uh, defense uh, was quite good. I thought it played into his hands a lot as well. And he also did lead the team in plus minus with plus 28 to go with the, that 19 points yeah his his presence was felt from from day from the minute that the ball was tipped um right until the the final whistle he was incredible tonight absolutely incredible and i think that this is the best version of james harden this is better okay i'm gonna put it out there this might be better than mvp version of james harden because that version of james harden was the heliocentric insane innate level scorer we are now getting the best passer in the league james harden combined with those step back threes and it's just like what can you do i also thought he did a good job like i can't remember if i did tweet this out or if i dm'd you about it. i'm like all right look the Nets didn't start driving now. There's no one down there. And it seemed to me he was the one that set the tone initially from that point. It's just like, oh, James is going to do it. I think the rest of us can probably do that now. And you saw you know, Bruce Brown get down there. You saw TLC, Joe Harris, Jeff Green, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Everyone else started really attacking the paint uh, and making Golden State really defend them from there. And I just think that it was a, an incredibly balanced performance from James Harden. And he might be playing the best basketball of his career. And that's that's a pretty uh, high praise to say for a guy who's won an MVP and has been like the best scorer for the past, what, eight years in, the, in, in this league? Yeah, I mentioned the idea to you, I think, after the Bucks game because it just felt like he's going to be playing the best basketball because there's more balance to his game. And it's impacting winning more instead of just being like, all right, you know, if he doesn't have his step back three, the Rockets are probably going to lose that game unless he got to the free throw line 20 times. Like you said, I thought driving tonight probably deserved a couple more free throws that he just didn't get in this game for whatever reason. But I really love the way he's playing and the feel he has for the team. And I think he's starting to build, you know, a little bit more confidence for what to do with the second unit out there. And he's starting to kind of get a feel for the guys. 
And I think another thing that's kind of obvious you'll see out there, he rather force it to like Jeff Green, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, or Joe Harris rather than pass it to TLC, I think. I think I've noticed a couple stretches where TLC's been open where he's just like, nah. So you can see where Harden has a little bit of bias and he's trying to kind of build a relationship with some of the players. And like we talked about, he doesn't even have a vertical spacer right now. He just has, no. you know, DeAndre, who's like three-fourths of a vertical spacer. Yeah, and look, he's been showing some decent vertical spacing. Yeah. I know in the, he played, the last... His best game was against the Pacers this season. So. Yeah, you, got, and you and Corey covered that one um, in a nice crossover episode in, in depth, and that was a great episode. But yeah, I think that, you know, if you had have had, you know, Norvell Pell play some minutes tonight, I'm sure that he would have had at least four or five lobs. Um, but yeah, I, thought, I think that James Harden's passing. He's going to lead the league in assists. And it's incredible to me. This week, it seemed that like Kyrie Irving and James Harden were getting a lot of disrespect in terms of the all-star conversation. And it's just like, oh, Kyrie Irving, why is he just at the start? He missed a week of basketball. But he's averaging like 50, 40, 90 on a season where he's taking like ridiculous shots. And we'll get to him in a little bit. And then James Harden as well. You know, I remember Zach Lowe not having him as an all-star lock. And Zach Lowe is one of the smartest NBA people in the world. Not just like, you know, he is the person I look up to in, in any, I read all of his articles, I listen to all of his podcasts, but not having James Harden as an all-star lock just doesn't make sense because it's just like, do you watch him play? That is one of the best six or seven basketballs. On his day, he was the best player in a game that had Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, uh, and, and, it was, and, and Curry Irving. It was just like... I, I thought there was just a, some slight shade, um, and I, I wasn't I wasn't there for it, Nick. I wasn't there for it. Yeah, it is strange. I mean, it's a guy who's averaging, like, what, 23, 24 points, and he's averaging, like, 11 or 12 assists, and the efficiency's not bad. And I thought, like, his defense in Brooklyn hasn't been terrible. Like, I think it's actually been okay. It's just kind of strange. It just seems like... It feels like the NBA is really weary of giving the Nets credit before they earn it. Like, they don't want to just be like, oh, this Brooklyn Nets team. But, like, meanwhile, James Harden, like you said, has been an MVP before. He's been in the MVP conversation for, what, the last five years. And he's been an All-Star the last five years. Kyrie's done the same thing in terms of the All-Star stuff. And the efficiency is sky high. Like, if, if Steph, you know, like Steph Curry was shooting at this level of efficiency every movie and we talked about him not getting in the All-Star game, it would be a joke. But like the fact that it's Kyrie Irving, it seems like it's OK. But like, no, 50, 40, 90 is literally ridiculous. I saw some stat is like based off the specific numbers he's averaging being at 25, like five and five or something. Only like Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry and Larry Bird had averaged those numbers on 50, 40, 90. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I put a tweet out the other day, like his true shooting percentage and any field goal percentage is like out of this world. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the shots that he takes, it's just like he shouldn't be that efficient. Like just objectively speaking, the shots that Kyrie Irving takes, only Kyrie Irving can make. Like yeah. not even – it's weird. Like in a, in a game where you've got Kevin Durant, you've got Stephen Curry, um, and you've got James Harden, only Kyrie Irving can make some certain shots. And, and some of the layups tonight, some of the step-back three that you put out on Twitter, Nick, I was just like – Dude, like, it's undefendable. Like, he might be as great and as diverse a shot maker, maybe then, at, at that point guard position, maybe ever. And I saw Isaiah Thomas put out a, a pretty nice tweet sort of saying that the addition of James Harden has allowed Kyrie to be basically a shooting guard. And yep. sort of you know, revert back to that role that we sort of saw somewhat in Cleveland where LeBron James is the point forward. And I think that we saw what Kyrie Irving did uh, in Cleveland, you know, being the, the, the number two fiddle 
uh, next to LeBron James and hitting the dagger shot over, funnily enough, the Golden State Warriors uh, and Stephen Curry. So, I mean, the, the it seems to me that the chemistry is building, Nick. The, the habits are really starting to build. Um, and I think it is starting. And, and the, the quality is just really starting to show and come to the fore. Yeah, it feels like there's a balance from the players in the sense of like we heard James Harden say that being in Houston and having to score 40 points every night to win was fatiguing. And now his role is just kind of he's still running the show, but his role in scoring is only 20 points a game. And now Kyrie doesn't have to play, make and run the offense. He just has to be that scorer. And then also he doesn't have to do it all the time because Kevin Durant's there. We also have an elite shooter in Joe Harris, some other good role players in this team. So Kyrie can really pick his spots where it's like, oh, yeah, like, I need to put up some points in the third quarter in the second half. I have this extra burst of energy, and now I'm going to hit you with five highlight scores in a matter of five minutes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And that's really just like the game breaker for the Nets is all these guys can just kind of pick their spots because there's three of them. Yeah. And like it's, you know, in, in every iteration of the big three, it's deflating because you think you've played quality defense and then you get Kyrie Irving with one of the most ridiculous laps you've ever seen. Yeah. Or you get Kevin Durant with just like a guy that just shoots over your head. Or you get James Harden with a step back three. Or you get James Harden with a drive and a kick out to Joe Harris for three, yep. who is wide open for some reason. Or you get Bruce or Brown. Or Jeff Green like, with some of these crazy finishes he has on the rolls. The the passing from James Harden to Jeff Green tonight and to Kevin Durant to basically everyone like uh, I Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns, legends whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm not sure. Nick, I'll ask you, has James Harden elevated himself into the conversation with LeBron James and Nikola Jokic as one of the best passers in the league? Yeah, I think he's probably been in that category for a while, but I think it's just natural you think so much of the scoring. But this has been a guy that we've talked about on, I think, more so the outlet and JBT of, like, he casually will make the pass in between someone's legs that everyone goes crazy about for Luka. Like, some of the passes he threw tonight, he threw a behind-the-back bounce pass to Bruce Brown under the rim for a layup, and that's going to probably be the 10th best highlight of the game. And no one's going to talk about it, but he does this casually on a regular basis. I think that's one of the most amazing things of watching James Harden every single night. Like, obviously, we watched him a ton before, but really seeing him, like, 
master the game. Like it's more of a mental game for him than it is a physical game because I think physically he's really confident with who he is. It's just like, okay, I'm going to manipulate you and get you to the spot I want you to be in. And it's going to either get my teammate open layup or it's going to get myself an easy shot. I think intangibly, Nick, that might be the Kevin Durant effect. We've sort of heard him whenever he speaks to to pundits on on whatever podcast, and he's all he's really a basketball purist. He yep. he, he respects the game with such a high level, and it seems to me that we're getting that out of Kyrie Irving and a James Harden. You know, Kevin Durant said earlier on his the Etcetera's podcast this week that he wasn't worried about any of the Kyrie Irving talk because that dude just knows how to hoop. And you know, James Harden, we're getting a, a purity to his game that we yep. probably haven't seen from him uh, in many a year. And look. The I can't remember. I don't know. It, it's hard to pick. Every single podcast, it, it, we're over. We're saturated with so many damn highlights that I think the James Harden. I can't remember if it was like one of the Jeff Green pick and roll passes, or it was the Kevin Durant like full. I think you put this on Twitter. Yeah, the Adam full court. Game. That yo, that is nuts. <laughs> like when that wasn't even like there. Like I mean, Van Gundy obviously the broadcasting does do a great job, but Van Gundy was just like oh, and then like it just flashed by, and they didn't even run a replay of it. And I'm just like yo, the. The difficulty of not only making that pass and then the fact Kevin Durant finished it with a layup form running full speed, I was like, yo, how? How? It's um look, I'm gonna give a football reference here, Nick. The Kansas City Chiefs could have used something like that on the couple of weeks ago. <laughs> the there we go. Damn. Use a quarterback like that, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nick, what was your favorite James Harden moment from tonight's game? Yeah, I think it might be that one. I think it might be the full court pass. Like, that is just incredible. And it wasn't even like he got the rebound. And Jeff Green, it was either a rebound or a steal. Jeff Green got it, gave it to him, and they just dished it off instantly. It kind of reminded me of, like, what we typically see from LaMelo Ball a lot in Charlotte. Obviously, Harden's a better player. But LaMelo just makes these passes, like, soon as he touches the ball. That's kind of what James Harden did. He was like, give me the ball, boom, KD, touchdown. Yeah, basically, it was <laughs> it was incredible. And, and Kyrie Irving as well. We'll get to him, Nick. That pass to Bruce Brown that he got, you know, fouled on. I had people saying, like, that wasn't a good pass. I'm just like, it was a look-away pass with his opposite hand. And I'm like, Kyrie Irving's best skill isn't his passing. But of late, I think ever since the the finger injury, we're seeing a much more balanced game from him. And I'm not saying that either way, Kyrie Irving is brilliant. He is brilliant in so many different ways. And he might be the most entertaining player that I've ever seen. But that pass tonight from him was as good as any shot that he made. Yeah, I think he's better as a, we've said this a million times probably, he's better as a secondary playmaker. You know, like the secondary creation where he's not running the offense to do it, but if there's an open guy, he's going to hit them. Especially in the corners, I think he's getting more comfortable there. I think my favorite was the step back three, because uh, I think they brought up on the broadcast, he stepped back like three or four feet. Like he created a lot of space and it's always nice hitting step back three against Steph Curry. Obviously we know Kyrie gets up for these games a little bit more. I think the the Nets do in general, you know, yeah. they're what? Seven and one. National TV nine? Nets. National TV, TV doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> um, what are they? Seven and one or nine and one? I can't remember. Stat News put out the the tweet that, that against plus five hundred teams. We know yeah. all about that. We know all about that. But yeah, look, Kyrie Irving was incredible tonight. Twenty three points, ten to seventeen from the field, two of five from three, had four dimes as well, uh, five rebounds, and two offensive boards. Nick, I thought in the first half where you know he wasn't necessarily just getting the shots because it, the, yeah. it was the Bruce Brown show in, in the first uh, quarter and a half. He was just fighting and doing a lot of these really gritty things, and I'm just like. Okay, Kyle, you do you, mate. Yeah, I think like it's 
when you're so used to touching the ball a lot and you don't get to touch it, the only way you can get to is get offensive rebounds. And if it's not your man and it's not your responsibility in transition, dive in there real quick and try to get a tip pass. Like, like I said, I think these guys just have so much more energy. You know what I mean? Like you're playing with three stars. It's just so much easier. I mean, like you play basketball, Jack. And like, if you play a game of three on three and you're the best player and you have to score every single time, you're shot. When I play three on three and I have like other good teammates and I don't have to necessarily score every play. Now you're having so much more energy on both sides of the ball and you're able to cut, move off ball, screen, and do some of these things that you just never really did. Yeah, I basically play like Bruce Brown without <laughs> the insane uh, deltoids and, and biceps that that man has. I love my screen. I love my cutting. I love making other people look good out there. But yeah, Nick, I, I wanted to ask you, I guess, about Kyrie Irving. We saw him before the game throwing some dunks down, um, some, some really nice tweets uh, on Nets Twitter about Damn, that. I didn't, Did see that. Into... I didn't see that. I didn't know. I didn't know he was throwing down dunks. Damn. He I must, just got to the like, game right like before it started. Yeah. like him, and, and I was just obviously we're both uh, very much tuned in with Nets Twitter. Do you think Kyrie Irving is underrated as an athlete? And I guess I asked this in relation to obviously, you know, the, the rebounding you know, from tonight as well, just being the ability to have a, a little bit of hops here and there. And obviously his layout package and his ability to just jump and that step back as well takes an immense amount of athleticism to just go all the way back, like what, four feet, five feet or whatever the heck it was. Is he underrated as an athlete? Yeah, I think it's been brought up. I think Dave DeForest brought this up a lot that Kyrie's come into this season in like some of the best shape of his career. And I think that helps in making you look maybe a little bit quicker. I think he's not a great vertical leaper. Like he's not going to be a Russell Westbrook in his prime or anything like that. But I think the fact that he's not, people underestimate his quickness and his speed and his burst, his ability to change direction. Like everything under the rim, he's almost an elite athlete. It's more so he just doesn't have the elite jumping. You know, he doesn't have the explosiveness. And some players are a little wary of that in general, just because like the higher you are in the air, the harder you're going to fall and the more likely you are to suffer injury. I mean, he does have pretty good hang time with some of these under the scoop layups. Yeah. Big time. Uh, it's some of those layups, man. Uh, I, I, they never get old. They really the one never on get Draymond old. was pretty sick. That was filthy. Absolutely disgusting. Like NSFW. I might have to add <laughs> that to my only fans. Um, might need to add it to your Twitter bio after tonight's Twitter performance. Yeah, man. I, I, yeah, look, I don't know. I was a bit, I was a bit thirsty tonight. I got my water, but I'm a little bit dehydrated with that. And I guess it, it's a nice little segue you to buzz, Jack. You were missing the buzz. Missing the buzz. Thirsty, thirsty for the mic, and certainly thirsty for Joe Harris. Nick, 15 points for Joey Buckers, three of six from three, five and nine from the field. Had a couple of free throws that he made. You know, he's he's improving on the yeah. free throws. And had four boards, two steals, a block as well. Joe Harris looks like he belongs. And I, that's just something that you wouldn't have thought. And I remember Kyrie Irving sort of saying this at the early points of the season. He's like, you know, he used to be like, you know, Joe Harris, the guy who would like kind of be there in Cleveland or whatever. But now it's just like Joe Harris is a dude. Yeah. He talked about him having the tat now, the curly hair, the beard sometimes. You know, he's got the swag. I think <sighs> one thing with Joe's game is like, we didn't really question the offense. You know, he's taking a jump. I think it's a three-point shooter shooting a little bit more contested, getting a little more comfortable with a step back or the dribble the or whatever. step back I wanted to mention, Nick. Like, yeah. he, there's not, like, an immense amount of, like, craftiness and athleticism like he's Stephen Coe with a, a dribble behind the back. But he knows someone's closing out and hardening him. So he's like, come on, dribble, to the side. I'm going to hit this three. And, like, that to me is uh, an, an increase in his three-point shooting propensity. Like, yeah. his diversity in shot-making is not only increasing as like a mid-range shooter, as around the rim, 
but as a three-point shooter, like, you know, contested ones, as you alluded to, and those off-the-dribble ones, step-backs, sidestep ones. Um, Joe Harris wasn't hitting those two seasons ago. Yeah, and I think what it does is it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. And like you said, he's just a little bit more versatile when he receives the ball in the catch-and-shoot opportunity. Is he going to shoot it? Is he going to sidestep? Is he going to drive to the rim? Is he going to pull up from mid-range? Like, now he has counters to the how you're going to play him, where in the past— we go all the way back to the Philadelphia playoff series. He had no counters. He was running off screens, and if he couldn't get free, he wasn't going to get shots off. And he's a different guy now. And I think defensively, he's getting a little bit more comfortable with the switching. He's flashing out a little bit quicker, especially when it's like Stephen Curry and stuff, where I think times in the past he's maybe been a step slow. So his understanding, getting a little bit more comfortable, and also communicating with his teammates has been big. Definitely. Uh, absolutely. And Bruce Brown alluded to, I guess, the, the defensive uh, side of the ball and he said uh, the Nets and this is by Matt Brooks the Nets were locked in at shoot around and knew their game plan says that's the reason that the switching was so good you could certainly tell that there was a level of just switched onness uh, for, for yep. lack of a better term you know the communication and the execution on the switches you know there was probably you know most of the game that it's double digit amount of time where it's just like oh come on guys you know you got to be able to, to hit that switch quicker and crispier whereas it's probably only like two or three times this game where it's just like oh kai what are you doing there or jimmy james what are you doing there um so i think that that was a, a really positive point yeah i think the switching you saw step up tonight i think at other points there was times where, hey, you need to give Kyrie help in the post against, you know, a bigger defender or against other teams who are going to be able to exploit things. But it's obviously progress, and that's what we're looking for. And we we know the Nets don't necessarily even have to be an elite defensive team. They just have to really be solid because their offense is just that efficient, and they're going to blow out most teams on a regular basis. So if they can get the defense to being competent, which it was tonight, and, you know, they did get a little bit of gift from Golden State shooting 20% from three, but... I thought they did a good enough job with the level of offense they have that they would beat most teams in the league tonight. Yeah, and in saying that, the the Warriors haven't been a good three-point shooting team this season. Yeah. It's been Stephen Curry, and Stephen Curry's gravity normally opens up shots for Kelly Oubre or Damian Lee or these sort of guys. And I think that the fact that Stephen, Steph wasn't able to bring... Stephen Curry threes are like uh, shots that we alluded to earlier. You know, Kevin Durant step backs. Kyrie Irving step back threes and layups. James Harden step back threes. Those are threes that are like almost worth like an extra half point because yep. they just give the team a little bit extra energy. The bench lifts a little bit. A you know, deflation sort of, for the other team too. Absolutely. We saw um, it was pretty deflating for Clay Thompson on the bench <laughs> in his... I mean, Clay, Clay's normally like a, a, a quite a well-dressed fellow, but uh, the, the old Flanny, uh, it's just like, feels like he forgot and he wore his like pajamas to the game, but massive Clay Thompson fan. Um, he was on, pissed. He was throwing stuff on the sidelines. You see that? Yeah, yeah. And look, I, I think that he's a competitor. And, yep. and I think similarly, he's just sort of like, I was, I was in what the Brooklyn Nets are in right now. You know, the big three, you know, one of the most successful teams in the history of the game. Now, the Brooklyn Nets have a ways to go until they're even in the same breath as the Golden State Warriors of old. But they are doing the right things and certainly on the right track. And um, Kyrie Irving has a nice quote, Nick. I just wanted to throw it here from Matt Brooks. Uh, he, says the, he said this to James Harden. I just looked at him and said, you're the point guard and I'm the shooting guard. And he said that it's uh, really fun. I'm just like... It seems to me that there is one of my favorite moments in this season, and I love all the off-the-court stuff and, you know, Kevin Durant saying Nets world and also James Harden, welcome back, welcome back to Kyrie Irving or whatever. And, you know, we said that Kyrie Irving's, you know, was a little bit off in those Cleveland performances. But it seems to me that there is just a, 
a joy to the way the Nets are playing. And I yep. think that it really comes from, and it set the tone from, you know, Kevin Durant, it set the tone from the leaders. And just, there's a vibe, Nick. There's a vibe in Brooklyn right now. Well, we got Kyrie's next quote, and it's, I think I've been waiting for the opportunity playing to other great players, doing the little things to win. That's all I'm focused on. So that kind of fits exactly with what you just said, Jack. You know, he's happy to be here, happy to play with these guys. And it's fun basketball. I mean, like beating a team by double digits in a game which is supposed to be relatively close is good. You know, you're going to have a good time doing that, especially when it's like I said, like there's not a giant burden on any specific player because there's three of them and there's other good players in this team where they can kind of have almost easier nights in games where in the past for them to have this type of game or this type of win, it would require a huge effort from them. How do you think the people in maybe, I don't know, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, the, the concept of time has been lost in the past 12 to 18 months thing. How do you think the people that were saying the trade Kyrie Irving Brigade, how do you think those guys and those guys and gals are feeling right now? Yeah, they're probably going to say, wait until Kyrie has something go wrong, blah, 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 and talk negative. But I mean, I think even anybody who is a Kyrie hater going to the season, he's statistically having his best season. You know what I mean? The efficiency is crazy and he's in a perfect role for himself where like we talked about, he doesn't even really have to run the offense much at all, except maybe if he's out there with the second unit because Kevin Durant, when he's out there with Kyrie, is taking off some of that burden. So it's just like Kyrie can just go out there and play basketball how he naturally wants to. And really, we've talked about it. It's leaning towards scoring. So he's living his best basketball life right now. He really is. Um, it, it's a, it's a joy to watch. You know, he's he brings joy to the game of basketball. And you know, in 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 a year and in, in eighteen months that have have lacked, you know, that tangible joy we've been able to experience in person. And and look, all kudos to the people that are hopefully being safe and wearing their masks when they get to go watch uh, the Nets play. I think it's the Kings on on February twenty three, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, I think so. Yep, so, look, I'm incredibly jealous. I'd give up a goddamn limb to be there to see scary hours in person. But hopefully come the end of the season, this vaccine is kicking on. I'm allowed to get on a plane and uh, I'd, I'd, I'd give up my entire savings to see just one game of, of, of these three because, you know, I would have memories of plenty. I have memories of plenty just watching them play on the television and then recapping the podcast. It's, it's just... a joy to watch this team play every night. Like, I think a lot of fans, and obviously I know people have said that we're a little bit too optimistic or pro-Nets, but, like, there's literally three Hall of Fame players on this team and the opportunity in terms of like which you'll see three Hall of Fame players playing your team at any single point when they're all in their primes is highly unlikely. Like it happens yes. once maybe for every team if you're the Lakers and maybe happens a little bit more. But like in general, for the Nets to ever get this much talent on the roster again is going to be highly unlikely unless Sean Marks is really as crazy as we think he is. But still, like just everything lined up so perfectly for the Nets to have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. Obviously, the roster isn't super complete, but just watching those three individuals play on a regular basis, it's you know somewhat historical to an extent for Nets history. Stop being a cheerleader, Nick. Come on, mate. You know, it's, uh, we're going we're to improve our, our, our cheerleader tendencies on this podcast. Look, uh, I agree with you. You know, Bruce Brown, Joe Harris, Jeff Green, Hall of Famers right there. You know, it's, it's a goddamn pleasure. No, look, in saying that, uh, I think that we've, we've, we've been doing this podcast for a couple of years now. And, you know, we always get a little bit existential every now and then. And, you know, you don't want to take things for granted. You know, yeah. whether the Nets win a championship, whether they don't win a championship. I think it's... This whole and, and not to go beyond basketball, we are a basketball podcast, but I think that you you learn to just savor the things and be present and enjoy 
watching Kyrie Irving play, enjoy talking about this team. But just take the being in the moment, being mindful, being present and going, man, this is just fun, man. Let's enjoy this one game at a time. Let's enjoy this West Coast road trip. It's it's only going to get tougher. Um, overall, Nick, you know, we were chatting about this in the, to the DMs and I wanted to bring it to the pod. Um, where does this game, where does this win rank for you overall this season? Obviously, the Nets are now 15 and 12. They're inching closer to that second seed and hopefully that first seed at, at some point in time. There's been a lot of good wins this season that we've recapped and you've recapped uh, as well. Where does it rank overall? 16 and 12, Jack. Just, you know, give the Nets that extra. My bad. ESPN hasn't updated it yet. But um, I would say top five, you know, second time they blew out the Warriors this season. So that's kind of cool to put out there. Uh, For me, I really like the Clippers win. I kind of mentioned that in the DMs just because I felt like the Nets and the Clippers both played really good games and the better team won. And that kind of gave you more confidence moving forward for who they could be. Where I kind of mentioned to you, like this win is good. And obviously we see the big three and it's a blah performance against a team that's been playing pretty well. But the Warriors have their deficiencies. And I think there's some areas in which like the Nets were able to really exploit. And the Warriors weren't really able to exploit any of the Nets' weaknesses with this matchup. So I think looking at it objectively, it's great to have the win against a good team. But when you look at the matchups, I think it has a little, maybe a little bit less value than some of the other wins. Yeah, I guess I'll have a top three then in saying that. I think Clippers, Bucks, and this one yep. um, in, in some modicum of order. I just think that this win was a really complete team basketball performance. Yep. And look, the, the Milwaukee Bucks game, you know, there wasn't even a Kyrie Irving playing. The Clippers game, you know, Kyrie Irving's wizardry got us over the line. I also do think that we match up kind of well with the Clippers because they're a team yep. that doesn't attack the paint, which is why I'm incredibly intrigued to see how we go against the best team in the league or one of the best teams in the league. We've already beat the Utah Jazz by like, what, 30 points? And they had yeah. all their superstars. Where they're, only, they're like 17 and one. And every time I hear that, I'm like, I know who that one is. And it was with all, without all our superstars, funnily enough, too. But yeah, this West Coast road trip is going to be a, a massive test, Nick. M- massive yeah, it really, test, Nick. Yeah. It really is, Jack. I mean, you mentioned it, going against the Lakers, facing the Clippers again, even the Suns. You know, the Suns coming up are a really yeah. good team. Sacramento's been playing some of their best basketball. Your boy De'Aaron Fox is having a great season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, it's, this is going to be a fun West Coast trip. I think the Nets know it's a real opportunity for them to kind of push forward. But I just want to talk about one more player from tonight, Jack. Um, Jeff Green. You know, I thought he really was good tonight. We mentioned some of those roles he had to the rim. Finished 5 of 6, 1 of 1 from 3. His switchability, even his ability to switch on to Steph Curry and not get cooked. Like, I think that's just incredible. And this is a guy, we've said it about 37 times this season, that's on veteran minimum contract. It's just crazy that the Nets have this player on the roster because they'd be in big trouble if they didn't have him. Yeah, you almost murdered someone as well. With uh, Lucky that he got fouled on that poster because he would have had his second massive poster for the season. You know, I'm going to start calling Jeff Green Benjamin Button because this man <laughs> is going backwards in the age. Like, he might be playing the best basketball of his, of his career. Now, he's played for nine, ten different teams. I haven't followed him incredibly closely. You know, he provided some good value for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Obviously, in Boston yeah. was probably where he played his best basketball. Um, I can't really go back any further than that. Obviously, Seattle, and um, this is why he's a part of the reason why he's here. It was a really cool story that the glue guys had with him talking about how they made the, the inf- well, not infamous, it's, it's, it's a really funny video with James Harden with Kevin Durant look he is he provides he everything to this team you know yeah. he is the reason why we can play such uh, the switching style system and, and execute it and you know Jeff Green was on the mic a little bit um and we, we we saw and heard from and he's just he's just a, a really uh, stabilizer he makes everything work and he is the reason why 
the defense is continuing to improve. He's the reason why that the spacing works. He's the reason why uh, he's just a, he's a big reason for for the Brooklyn Nets' success. And he's a big leader on the team. He called out the team after the loss to the Detroit Pistons and talked about you know having pride. And I think Joe Harris said it you know after the the win the other night was saying like you know Jeff Green didn't necessarily say a ton, but what he said meant a lot to us. And the team reacted you know against the Pacers. They had a solid defensive performance, solid defensive performance tonight. So. I think they're realizing and understanding the situation a little bit more, getting some of that cohesion, which has been noted a lot this week. The Nets haven't necessarily practiced a ton since the James Harden trade. Some of that being an older team, some of the probably coaching philosophy, but a lot of it just being the schedule and playing so many games in such a short period of time. But Jack, what do you think of Tyler Johnson tonight? I thought he brought some good energy. Yeah, I thought that he might have been the uh, outside of Jeff Green, the, the Nets' best um, bench player. I thought yeah. that he looked good from the, the corners, and you know he's pesky. He, I, I think that that Sixers game, you know, he started to work into some form, and you know, yeah. I think that it wasn't the best matchup. But in saying that, you know, I think that he is trying to vie. You know, he is out there to go. Look, I want to extend my NBA career. I want to provide some meaningful minutes to this team. And when Landry Shaman isn't hitting his shots and when TLC is doing, you know, the TLC negative things that we don't like from him, you know, the t- uh, Tyler Johnson provides a, a bit more of a steadiness. And I think that that's the, you know, being around the wings and, and, and having that experience, you know, he could provide some value for this team, you know, whether it's as a, a ninth man in the rotation or whatever, you know, he's certainly uh, putting his name up there. Yeah, I like the energy he brings. Like you said, Jack Pesky almost kind of gives you like a light version of Bruce Brown in terms of the defense, just like chasing you. He doesn't play up to that level, but it brings that type of energy and effort. And if he can knock down the threes in the corner, that's good enough for him to get some minutes. And I think he also has a better understanding of like who he is on this team. Like, you know what I mean? He just kind of sits in the corner and does all the small things, and that's fine. And that's how he's going to stay in the NBA, and he's going to get minutes. Yeah, and, and I think that one thing that he does well also, one thing he did well tonight anyway, was you know setting screens to get hard and all yep. Kyrie or Katie, the, the mismatch. And you know when he didn't do that, he would set another screen and, or he would just fly to the corner to try and drag his man away from him, uh, with him, sorry. So I think that, that was a, that's a really you know, a heady sort of play that you know he's doing. I think screening is a, is a nice little thing that Bruce Brand has obviously done incredibly well and, and the reason why he's having so much success with this team. So yeah, Tyler Johnson continues to do some good things. I think this is a matchup that worked well for him as well. Mm-hmm. There's a, a, a much smaller team and Tyler Johnson is, you know, maybe a 6-2, sort of dude. So he doesn't, he's going to probably struggle against teams like the Bucks, like the Sixers and, and maybe even the Lakers. So, you know, when you need him in the regular season, your role players can step up and, and provide you some, some meaningful production. Um, it was good to see Tyler J- Johnson do that tonight. Yeah, 100%. Um, Landry Shamit, I thought he had some good moments in this game. Obviously, he's always going to look better the nights he hits his three ball. But I didn't think it was a bad performance, not anything crazy either, though. A four assist for him, um, which uh, and I think that you know it was a, a prototype of the system tonight, Nick. I thought yep. the ball movement was absolutely incredible tonight. Thirty-five assists on fifty made field goals. Um, I, I think that James Harden really set the tone there, and everyone. I wonder if that's a season to- high. It, it'd be interesting to, to dive deep into the stats and, you know, at the JMHABT, at OTG Nick, if you want to let us know. But, yeah, 35 assists. I thought that the ball movement, um, it was, you know, sometimes when you have three incredible isolation superstars, guys that can get their own shot by themselves with or without a screen, you know, you get bogged down. And we heard Kevin Durant say to Rachel Nichols after the game, and it's just like, you know, if we get those, keep those assist numbers up and keep the turnovers at a reasonable number, and I think they're only, yep, 13 tonight, same number as Golden State. Um, I, I think that that's something that is going to be 
where the nets are really, really dangerous because, as I've always said, I, I love ball movement. I know you love ball movement because it's harder to defend a, a ball that is in motion and it allows, it opens up spaces and gaps for the likes of Bruce Brown, for the likes of Joe Harris on the perimeter. It just, it makes it easy for the role players too. Yeah, it makes everyone feel involved and it's more so the players are playing off each other. Obviously, there's going to be the isolation possessions on certain, you know, plays or late in the game, but get your easy offense, take advantage of the opportunity of playing with other superstars or other great shooters or whatever it might be and playing off your teammates. And when they do that, that's when the offense just really can't be stopped. When they're gelling, moving the ball, cutting, great ball movement, off ball movement, hitting their shots, like there's not a better offense in the league. And there's not many, if, if they actually hit their potential, there won't be many better offenses in NBA history. Uh, it's already the case, Nick, you know, even when the Nets were struggling defensively. Yeah. This tonight might. Was it the best offensive performance of the season? Do you reckon, Nick? You know, I, think I mean, I they did of... score. I think 147 against OKC without Kevin Durant. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It just seemed to me that there was just, and, and I alluded to obviously every single meaningful player t- tonight for the Nets scores 14 points or more, and it was just a, a really even performance. I, I I thought that this was the, the Brooklyn Nets at their best in that third quarter where they scored 42 points as well, 37 in the first, and the 37 points seemed to come incredibly just like almost like a grind and gritty, and it was nice to see that version of the Nets. And I alluded to with you know Kyrie Irving's offensive rebounding, you know Bruce Brown really leading the way, and you know, when the superstars weren't able to sort of get the flow and sort of have their, you know, get into their groove a little bit. They were still able to score 37 points in a quarter. Yeah. I, what I felt like in the first quarter was like you said, it was grinded out, grinded out. And then all of a sudden a, a quick switch for the nets like flipped. And all of a sudden, I think they ended the first quarter in a 15 to four run. Some of that yeah. was grinding out on defense, but also some of it is just like, Oh yeah, these guys started off two and eight. They're going to miss some shots. Boom. It can just happen that fast. And like you said, you saw like waves of that in the third quarter. And I think that's what's so scary for so many teams is like, you really never know when a wave is coming from the nets is because there's a superstar on the floor at all times. And there's a good chance there might be two. Sometimes there's going to be three. Yeah. Look, and there are a few teams obviously that can defend those three. We've seen a couple of them and and even those teams struggle too. you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Los Angeles Clippers, you know, um, the matchup that I think we're all looking forward to Nick is that Los Angeles Lakers one. I hope Anthony Davis is fit and healthy for it. I know that he's been struggling a little bit with some Achilles stuff. Um, but you know, the James Harden, as he said um, to to the Nets media, you know, we've got to bring that same mentality to the Sacramento Kings who have been playing some good basketball and Nick De'Aaron Fox is balling out my friend, you know, he's, he's earning, that max contract he's hitting the three ball who would have thought he'd hit that three ball with some consistency i don't know some i don't people. know you didn't say he was you just told me i was wrong <laughs> about the contract so and he's still he's still got plenty of years on that but uh save that for the outlet it'll be interesting just to see because he's such a quick guard in terms of attacking the paint and even sacramento in general in terms of like athleticism and getting a little bit more downhill we're like Sometimes I feel like the Nets do better against good teams. Obviously, they get up and they play more effort, but it's easier to understand who you need to stop. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're playing the Bucks. Like, Middleton and Antetokounmpo are going to be your keys. Or you're playing the Clippers like Paul George and Kawhi, where sometimes when they play some of these bad teams, it's like anybody on the roster could drop 20 that night because there's not one player who's specifically better than the other. I feel like when they have the opportunity to game plan and there's issues with a specific team, it really allows them to excel. So I think the Kings matchup should be fun. Yeah, I mean, Fox and Halliburton have been incredible. Yeah. You know, Buddy Hield is you know one of the league leaders in three-pointers made. And Harrison Barnes is, is I think, having a really underrated season. Yeah. Underrated season. And, you know, Rashawn Holmes, I know you're a big fan, Nick. 
Um, you know, if the Nets can't get DJ back uh, by that point, hopefully everything is okay for him um, behind the scenes with the with the family issues and such. So um, if DJ isn't back, it'll be interesting to see. I, I want to see Bruce Brown stay in that starting lineup <laughs> just because we saw what he did against Stephen Curry and he can bring that same mentality. I think he has the athleticism, he has the physical tools and he has the IQ and, and everything else to be able to make things tough for De'Aaron Fox as well. Yeah, I think the thing for me would just be I wouldn't want to put that much pressure in terms of having KD going homes. You know what I mean? I feel like that's more of a true center where I might just put Jeff Green in there. I think, you know, Noah Vonley could possibly have to get minutes in a, uh, the next matchup or maybe even one against the Suns. If DeAndre isn't ready, hopefully he's good to go and it's nothing too serious for him. But I think Noah Vonley, we saw him for a few minutes, saw him for a few minutes in the other game, looks a little rusty, as expected. Yeah, as expected, as expected in that regard, Nick. Um, before we finish this one up, Nick, I wanted to talk about Spencer Dimity and the, the, the rehab uh, that he is uh, currently enduring and, and going through. He's he's looking okay. Yeah, I think, was Steve Nash asked about him before the game? I can't remember. If you want to have a quick look at it, I'll, I'll provide a little bit of a spiel um, about, you know, he, he put, went to, took the Instagram, posted, you know, some of the things that he's been doing uh, and on, his, on the post that got a, a lot of likes and got a lot of attention, he says, on the protocol, it says week 15, but it's only been five. He's 10 weeks ahead of schedule in, in his recovery. And I saw, you know, Will Jackson, friend of the pod as well, put out the fact that, look, we know about the disabled player exception that doesn't prevent him from coming back. You know, Spencer did when he had a partial ACL tear, not a full yep. ACL tear. So it's not the, the traditional one. And no one structural that... damage to the rest of his knee, which is usually the case when you have that injury. Yep, and he all, and Will also made the good point of saying like it is generally easier, and, and the history has shown that guards do recover better um, and and more quickly. And you know we see that in Zach Levine right now, who is uh, recovered from an ACL, and you you wouldn't have even thought that he had that. You know it's he's been incredible for the Bulls. But yeah, Nick, I don't know, I didn't I didn't see anything re- regarding it, but I I know that I'm incredibly intrigued by the fact that. If he's 10 weeks ahead of schedule, then he might be back in May or something. We could see him at the end of the regular season. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But if there's a guy that could do it, uh, then it's Iron Man himself. Yeah, I mean, he's extremely lean, too. I would assume that helps. Like, not, I, I want to say Spencer's like 2% body fat, but I remember him tweeting something about it. And this is Steve Nash before the game via our boy Matt Brooks. Steve Nash says he doesn't want to put any expectations on Spencer Dinwiddie's return, says he's more focused on his long-term health, notes that KD had extra months to recuperate and how well that's worked. So it's like kind of pushing down uh, expectations, but also like you kind of mentioned, if he did come back at the end of May, like do the Nets actually have enough time to even incorporate him into the way they're playing? You know what I mean? Because they're such a great team already. It's not like, you want to bring an injured player back necessarily for the playoffs. You know, obviously Spencer's a really good player, but you have no idea where he's going to be at. And typically not playing basketball for what it's going to be. Not six months, it'll be like four or five months. Yeah, and and look, I guess in saying that, the the immediate thought that comes into my mind is, okay, would I rather a a, a recovering Spencer Dinwiddie to be out there or Tyler Johnson, Landry Shamit or TLC and... There's a part of me that can't help but go, man, like as as, as much as we want our, our role players to contribute and have their consistency, just the mere presence of, a, of another ball yeah. handler, like we, James Harden and Spencer Dimity playing alongside each other, Spencer and Kyrie we've seen in seasons past and they've had some success. I don't know, man. I'm, I can't help but get a little bit excited. 
Yeah, I mean, if he's medically cleared and everything's okay, I think even from a defensive perspective, he's probably an upgrade over Shamit, you know, upgrade over TLC. He's a 6'6", like he's lanky too, you know what I mean? He has some true length to him where he can possibly defend small forward. So I wouldn't rule it out. I would just be worried about the reps, you know what I mean, and getting him comfortable, and even with his jumper, like if he can get his three-point shot going and stuff, because at certain points where you're coming back from injury, teams don't really respect you. So it'd be important that he's healthy and feeling himself. Absolutely. But um, nonetheless, it is still incredibly enthused. I'm enthused by the the posts and, and the news that uh, we're getting from Spencer Dealey right now. And look, long-term health, I agree with, with um, Steve Nash in yep. saying that as Especially, well. Especially, I guess, contract year, player option. Yeah, and like we've spoken about, at least sometimes about, you know, teams wanting to acquire Spencer Dinwiddie. This could also be that as well. You know, him building back his health could be uh, improving his trade value. Now, I'd much rather see him play for the Brooklyn Nets because, I don't know, there's a certain factor where it's just like, this guy has been part of the come up, you know, like Joe Harris was. Joe Harris is, sorry. Like Harris LeVert was, like Jared Allen was. And we've still got this guy on the roster. And it would just feel like this guy deserves to be part of that success because he's, I think Spencer Dinwiddie, maybe more than any other guy, has given his heart and soul to Brooklyn, you know, as much as Harris and Jared Allen and Joe Harris and these guys have. You can argue that Spencer is actually the the biggest reason why they were put in that position because he he had the most consistent w- impact on winning across the board. You know what I mean? Sometimes he was the best player. Sometimes he was the sixth man. But at the end of the day, he played the most games. And it sucks is the fact that he's injured for the biggest season. You know what I mean? Like in, for the Nets, obviously there's opportunity he could come back. He could also be signed back with the Nets and be with them next year. So who knows? But Jack, anything else you want to touch on? <sighs> No, mate, it's, just, it's good to be back on the mic and, you know, hopefully the sound quality at my uh, new townhouse is okay. Hopefully it comes out nice and crispy for the listeners. Yeah, it's also nice having comfortable wins, back-to-back, double-digit wins for the Nets. Hopefully it's something we can get used to. Jack, pleasure having you back. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. and Catch us on all stream platforms. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.